Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, good morning. Welcome, everybody, to church. I'm glad you came out on a brisk Sunday morning. Have you ever had someone you know, maybe a good friend, tell you something that they were passionate about and it got you super excited? It happened to me earlier this year. You know, for almost 30 years, since high school, I've been in and out of the gym, and most of the stuff that I've done over the years has been mostly weightlifting. And anyone that's worked out before knows, you go to the gym and usually you'll pick two body parts to do, and you'll do back and your biceps, or chest and your triceps, or some sort of combination like that. That's, that's pretty common. But over the last five years, I kind of just felt like I was just going through the motions. I was still going into the gym three, four days a week, but I just kind of felt like I wasn't really getting anything out of it. You ever, you ever get that feeling before? And then COVID hit, and like everything in the country, all the gyms were closed. And for most of 2020, I just kind of, I took off from working out completely. I just kind of said, I'm going to give my body a rest and just kind of chilled out. Fast forward to this year, everything starts to open up again. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to try something I always wanted to do, but I was always hesitant to do it. And that's CrossFit. Now, if you're not familiar with CrossFit, I'm not going to go into what CrossFit is today. You can look online and check it out. But as I started to tell people this is what I wanted to do, I started to get the same reaction, including my wife. People kept saying, CrossFit, at your age? You're going to get hurt. Now, in all honesty, at my age, I can get hurt rolling out of bed in the morning. So that's, that's not something that's going to really deter me. But then I started to talk to a couple of people, and I found a friend who was actually doing CrossFit. And he was so passionate about his workouts. He was so excited about the lifestyle. He said, it's a lifestyle. You know, you get off the carbs, you get off the couch, and you just live your life. His emotion got me so excited. I said, you know what? In April of this year, I said, I'm going to do it. And I joined a CrossFit gym. And you know what happened? I got hurt. <laughs> I didn't get hurt. I didn't get hurt. But I did fall in love with this new kind of workout, this new routine. Every time you go into the gym, it's completely different. And I don't think I would have ever done it if my friend never took the time to share his experiences with me. Do you ever share something with other people that you're passionate about? What I mean is, the things that you do in your personal life, do you share those things with others? Maybe food, right? People like to share their love of food. Sports teams, people are always sharing who's the better sports team. Let's go Buffalo Bills. How about politics? Yeah, politics we probably share way too much. Politics is one of those ones we probably could share a lot less of. What about your faith? Do you ever share your faith? what you believe with other people? If the answer is no, it's okay. You're not alone. Believe it or not, 
Less than 10% of Christians actually share their faith. Less than 10%. And that leads us to this question this morning. And if you're just checking us out for the first time, if you're not a believer, this question's not going to apply to you, so you can just kind of hang out. But if you call yourself a believer, if you call True North your home, who's responsible for sharing the gospel? We are. As Christians, we're responsible for sharing our faith. Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. It's the Great Commission. Those passages are known as the Great Commission. And it's Jesus' final instructions. Jesus has risen from the dead. He gathers his followers, and he gives these final instructions. Go make disciples of all the nations. Mark puts it like this. Mark says, and then he told them, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. So maybe you're here today, you're not a believer, maybe just checking out our church, getting some bagels and coffee, or maybe you're a new believer and you're not even sure what this gospel is. Is it some kind of music? So let's first look at what is the gospel? The word gospel literally means good news. And from the Greek, it's both a noun and a verb, and as a noun, it means good news, and as a verb, it means to announce good news. And if today's the first time you ever, you've heard that word, gospel, I'm going to break down the gospel in a simple form. It's not as complicated as people may make it out to believe. God the creator of the universe, creator of everything seen and unseen. He created you, he created me, and he created us to be with him. But our sin separates us from God. And there's no amount of good deeds we can do to change that because we're guilty and nothing we can say or do is going to change that. That's the bad news. But God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, and he paid the price for our sin. And he died on the cross, and he rose again as our guarantee that whoever believes in him will be forever forgiven of sin and promised an eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. The gospel is the message of Jesus. It's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection. And it's the good news of his love and our salvation. And it's an invitation to have a personal relationship with the one who gives us hope. Hope for the broken, 
Hope for the troubled, hope for those who feel there's no hope. So Jesus says in Mark, go preach. And I know what you're thinking, preach. I'm not an evangelist. But preaching doesn't mean you have to come up here on stage. I mean, it could if that's your passion. If that's your calling, it certainly could. It also doesn't mean you have to stand on some corner and awkwardly talk to strangers about Jesus. To preach the gospel is to share and talk about how you live as a believer. And I know sometimes we're hesitant to do those things. But when you go out in your everyday life and you go to a great concert, you tell everybody you went to a great concert. If you go out to a great restaurant and you have a great meal, what do you do? You recommend that restaurant to everybody. You might even take a picture of the meal and share it all over social media. If you like reading books, you're always recommending books to people. You share your experiences and tell people, what a great book I just read. You have to read this book. When you do those things, you're preaching about it. You're an evangelist and you didn't even know it. See, we love to tell people what we think. We love to tell people what we do. But when it comes to sharing our faith, for some reason, we're very hesitant to do that. There's something about talking about your religious beliefs that make you feel hesitant, and I get it. Maybe in your mind, you might be thinking like me, am I gonna say something wrong? Am I gonna start an argument with someone like we do in politics? Or how about I don't even know what to say? Maybe I should just leave it to the experts. I don't do major auto work on my car. I, I could do an oil change, I do brakes. I don't do major auto work, I leave it to my mechanic, the expert. Maybe we should just leave this sharing of the gospel to the pastors. Maybe we should leave it to the televangelists, the guys on TV, they're the experts. Maybe that's how you feel. But we're all probably here today because someone took the time to share their faith. And if you're not willing to talk to the people closest to you, if you're not willing to say to someone you know that you care about, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus, no one else might do it. Now, as I said earlier, being hesitant, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul, early on with the early church in Rome, ran into the same issues. The early church in Rome, members of the church were afraid to talk about their faith. They were afraid to talk about what they saw. And Paul reminds them why it's important, and this is Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. You know what I love about this verse 
is Paul starts to lay out how someone becomes saved. He says there's five steps involved with someone being saved. There's a sending, there's a sharing, there's a hearing, there's a believing, and then there's a calling. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? How can they hear unless someone tells them? How can they believe if they've never heard? See, contrary to what we know, believing is not seeing. Hearing is believing. And how can someone call in the name of the Lord unless they hear, which causes them to believe? And what's interesting about these five things that Paul lays out is we really only have control of two of those things. We can only control going out and sharing. We can't control if someone hears or someone believes or even if someone calls out on Jesus. We have no control over that. And you know, for years, for years I thought my role as a new Christian was saving people. I have to save non-believers. And in the, in the beginning, it felt like a lot of pressure. I have to go out and save people. Early Christians would tell me, you got to go out and save. That's your job. And then I realized that we're saved by our faith in Jesus, and Jesus alone saves. And the last time I looked, I'm not him. So if we're not responsible for saving people, what are we responsible for? Contact. We're responsible for contact, making an introduction, giving someone an invitation, letting them know what Jesus has done in our lives. And you do that in a loving and a caring way because nothing makes someone not want to listen than you making them feel like they're some sort of project. They're a religious project. We have no control, once again, as I said, if anyone believes. We can't force someone to be a believer. That's the work of God. All we can do is what we're called to do, which is to go out and share the gospel and then let God do his job. Let God do the work. So maybe going out in the world and preaching the good news, maybe that's not your thing. And that's okay. Not everybody is meant to be a missionary and go out and travel the world, then go into your world. We all have our own world, a world of friends, a world of family. Go into that world and share the gospel. You know, the, the Bible tells this story in Mark. It's Mark chapter 2 if you want to look it up. About four men and their paralyzed friend. And Pastor Bert spoke about it last month at the men's weekend, so you might have heard this before. But Jesus had been around Galilee, and he'd been preaching, and he'd been teaching, and he'd been performing lots of miracles. And he decides he's going to go back home, and at the time he's living in a place called Capernaum. So Jesus decides he's going to go back home, and what you have to understand is at this point in Jesus' life, he's becoming a rock star. So when people find out he's going back home, Crowds of people start to gather at his house just to listen to him preach. So picture this in your head. You got this house that Jesus is living in. It's probably smaller than a one-car garage. 
Jesus is probably sitting on the floor, and it's like standing room only. People are crowding around Jesus, and out through the doorway of the house outside, there's crowds of people, and people are probably leaning in just to listen to what Jesus has to say. Now, we don't know much, so that's the scene at the house. We don't know much about these four people and their friend. We don't know whose idea it was to go. We don't know how long they traveled carrying their friend on a straw mat. But here's what we do know. They come up to the house, and the crowd is so tremendous, nobody's letting them through. And probably after saying excuse me 50 times and realizing they can't muscle their way through, they realize there's no way we're getting to that front door. There's no way. So what do they do? They didn't give up. These men were so sure in their faith. The next thing we read in the story is the men are on the roof. How did they get on the roof of this house? There's no mention in the story of a ladder, rope, stairs, nothing. Somehow they got on the roof of this house. Now, keep in mind, this is not a roof like we know today. It's not a, a peaked roof like we have here. These are flat roofs with beams on them, covered in branches. They would put mud on top of those branches and it would harden like concrete. So you could actually walk on these, on these roofs. And somehow these men end up on the roof and they dig through the roof material and they lower their friend down to Jesus. And here's what Mark says happens next. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now that necessarily wasn't what that guy was there for, right? He's coming to walk and Jesus forgives his sins. And later in the story, the man is healed and he walks. But here's my point. Jesus doesn't heal this man because of the works of his friends. This man is healed because what the friends did was proof of their faith. Proof. These friends weren't going to let anything stand in the way of introducing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They were so confident that Jesus was going to heal their friend, no obstacle was going to get in the way. Now, those are the kind of friends we want. Those are the kind of friends that we need. That's the kind of friend that we all need to be. What obstacles are stopping you today from sharing your faith? What can you do to get around those obstacles? Because you don't have to, you don't have to dig for a roof. It's as easy as inviting someone to church. Maybe invite someone to a Bible study. You know, we have two great men's groups here at the church. Shout out to the men's group. Invite someone to a men's group. Our men's group just went to play top golf last week. Who doesn't like top golf? Look, I've had people come to me and say, I don't even know where to start. Where, how do I even start a conversation? But here's the beauty. 
you don't have to start any conversation. People are asking all the time, what are you doing this weekend? What'd you do over the weekend? It's as easy enough to say, I'm going to church this weekend. Or how about this one tomorrow morning? I went to church yesterday and this good-looking guy was on stage talking about the gospel. (laughs) There's your icebreaker for tomorrow. Look, this Thanksgiving, when you're thankful for the things that God has done in your life, share how thankful you are with the people around you. My hope today is that you would leave here and you would share the gospel with just one person. Let one person know about your Jesus. Let one person know what Jesus has done and meant in your life. And I promise you'll never regret it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to meet in your house and worship and glorify you. Lord, continue to lead, guide, and direct us as we go out and share the good news. And Father, I pray this morning that we would have an opportunity this week, we would have an opportunity to share what Jesus has meant in our lives. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.